0: Hey, Church. What an awesome time we've had, eh? We could just about go and have coffee now. But uh, yeah, the, um, what we're about to show you today is, is I suppose, a, a, um, a, an accumulative of of knowledge over probably the last three or four years. And I have a lot of people come up to me and say, "Hey, listen, can you can you explain end times to me over a coffee?" And I'm, and it's like you know, that's like someone saying, "Can you?" take me through the Lord of the Rings trilogy over a quarter of an hour coffee. Um, so it, it's kind of pretty difficult to do. So what I have done is I've made a bit of a slideshow that we're going to walk through. Um, it's really high level. It's an overview because we would be here till probably Wednesday. And uh, it would probably be inappropriate. So so don't be freaked out if you don't um, get hold of all of it. If you get lost in parts, because it's a lot of information, and I'm, I'm going to try and keep it to 20, 25 minutes, but we will revisit it, you know, if, if, if the feedback is good and people are, hey man, I want to know more about that, then, uh, you know, Mark's already mentioned that we'll, you know, we can break this all down into, into some, some really good sessions. Everything's based on scripture, so, um, so bear with me. But I'm just going to open in prayer, as we should always. So Father, we just thank you, Lord. I thank you for today, Father. Thank you that you're here. I thank you for your word, and Lord, just pray that you'll be with us today. Ask for soft hearts and open ears. In Jesus' name, amen. Start with God's prophetic word. God says in the Bible six times that he is the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. He references himself in this manner to make a point to us. And if God ever repeats himself, it's always a good thing to, uh, to listen and take, take heed. God always was, is, and always will be. He, he also knows the beginning from the end. This is how He can give us His prophetic word, hundreds and sometimes thousands of years before it happens. You know, as we just delved into Isaiah 53, you know, that was written five or six hundred years before Jesus was persecuted, before um, before the cross was even invented. So, you know, amazing, amazing. Eh? All prophecy is from Him and Him alone. No other entity in the universe has a clue what's going to happen tomorrow, not even the enemy, just our Father in heaven. So uh, if you want to start getting into prophecy and you want to start to learn, it's, if it's not scriptural bound, then run away, okay? 2 Peter 1.21 says this, For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but by men moved by the Holy Spirit spoken from God. And Amos 3.7 says this, Surely the Lord, the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret counsel to his servants, the prophets. God's prophetic word is riddled throughout the Bible, close to a third of the Bible to be exact. Approximately 2,500 prophecies appear in the pages of the Bible. Of these, about 2,000 have been fulfilled to the letter of the law. Not kinder, not almost, exactly 100% accurately. Jesus made, Jesus made it clear to us that there are things we will never know before they happened, and the exact timing of the, most prophecies remain unclear. However, he also makes it very clear that we are also to know what season we're in. He talks about this in Luke at the triumphant entry when he weeps for Israel. He didn't say um, to the Pharisees, you should have known I was Messiah. He said, you should have known the time of your visitation. You should have been looking for Messiah because Daniel wrote about it in Daniel 9.27. And folks, we are in the times that they talk about and God's clearly shown us. So sit back and come on a journey of discovery. (laughs) I'm just going to start with God's time clock. Some of you would have seen this when we had our first session on End times, but um, everything here is broken into two th- uh, years of lumps of two thousand years, and according to the the Jewish calendar, they can trace back five thousand nine hundred seventy five years to when Adam was first created, and so according to God's calendar, we're pretty close to here. The most documented. Time in the Bible by about fivefold. More documented than Jesus' time, more documented than Noah's time. 1,845 references in the Old Testament about Jesus' second coming. 17 of the Old Testament books had given prominence to the event that's yet to be. 318 references in the New Testament. Two hundred and sixteen chapters, twenty-three out of the twenty-seven books in the New Testament talk about Jesus' second coming. For every prophecy of Jesus' first coming, there's eight on his second coming. So why is it not preached? Why is this not at the pulpit on every church? Also, just a just a, a really quick. Um, overview of the rapture versus the second coming does everybody here know what the rapture is have they heard of it yeah and heard of jesus second coming this is probably the most confused and badly taught uh, subject in the bible so many churches stroke denominations either get this round the wrong way or say they're the same thing so i'm just going to bullet point quickly so hopefully uh, you can get it in your mind the rapture it's for believers only second coming everybody's affected the rapture glorified bodies are given second coming no glorified bodies believers go to heaven 3 to be with Jesus second coming we come back with them rapture Jesus meets us in the air he does not come back to earth for the rapture we meet him in the clouds second coming Jesus returns to earth only only we will see Jesus in the rapture we're just here today gone tomorrow second coming every eye will see imminent can happen after we have coffee today Boom, gone. Second coming. Follows defined and predicted signs and time frames. A lot of prophecy we can't time frame. But there are many that we can. And and when we get to some of those, I'll, I'll point them out. But Jesus' second coming can be very, very easily predicted after certain things have happened. Before the day of God's wrath will be gone second coming concludes God's wrath tribulation begins millennial reign begins does everybody here know what the millennial reign is because I certainly did not until I started studying this when Jesus comes back there's going to be a thousand years of peace with him as the king sitting on the throne of David promised to Mary by Gabriel hasn't been fulfilled Peace on earth. Jesus is king. Amazing, amazing thousand years. Earth is not judged in the rapture. In the second coming, the earth is judged. So, some quick bullet points. Hopefully, you can see the differential between the two. And just before we get started, I've got some scriptural homework for you guys. Yay. If you want to to start to understand this, you're just going to have to get into some study. Matthew 24 gives an outline for the signs of the end and his ultimate return. It's a really good place to start. Don't just read it or browse through it, do a study on it because uh, there's a lot in it. It's a really, really good uh, starting point. But Daniel 9, your journey begins here. If you get this, you study it and understand it, this is the alphabet before you can go and read in times. Once you get this, um, you'll be on your journey. Daniel illustrates the seven-year tribulation, the Antichrist, his rise and fall. Jesus returned to reign supreme, and it illustrates that the tribulation period is for his people. So when Gabriel came down and had a chat with Daniel and told him lots of wonderful things, he said two things that are, are probably overlooked by a lot of people. He says, this is for your people. So who's Daniel's people? The Jews. Not the church, not you, not me. It's for his people. Secondly, it surrounds the holy city, which is Jerusalem. So if you can keep that in your brain, that will help you to make some good decisions when, when you get a lot of information thrown at you. But the tribulation's for the Jews, and it's also about the holy city of Jerusalem. That's not, it's not for us, thankfully. So, let's begin. We're going to start with some time frames. Prophecy that's been fulfilled to date. It's already happened. You may or may not be aware of it. So, Isaiah and Ezekiel talk about the reformation of a country called Israel. You know, there's a lot of wonderful scholars and uh, teachers of end times who've written a lot of material that before uh, 1948 were just laughed at. Hal Lindsey... Irvin Baxter, and and many, they were laughed at, they were ridiculed. And then May 14, 1948, Israel was reformed as a country. That's never happened ever before. That's just God breathed. You can't just make a new country. But God did. And it had to happen. Why? Because after Revelation 4, everything is about Israel. Israel doesn't exist. Yeah, it does. And then Jerusalem was taken back in the 1967 war. This was another huge, big step. Why? Because it's all about what? The holy city. If it's not in the hands of the Jews, then it doesn't line up with scripture that's, that's coming. The Hebrew language was brought back to life. Again, I, I, I don't know of any language that's been brought back to life. You know, Latin is a dead language. You can write it and you can read it, but nobody can speak it because no one, no one knows how it's meant to be spoken. It's dead. But God brought the Hebrew language back to life. Amazing. Isaiah said that uh, the Jews will be regathered from all four corners of the earth. Over five million Jews have returned in about the past 15 years. It's just amazing. Isaiah and Ezekiel speak of a desolate, a desolate land to be brought back to life. I went out to Jerusalem maybe 10 years ago now, and when you drive outside of Jerusalem, it is all rocks. And then you'll come across, um, I think it was dates, trees of dates. It's madness. And the rocks, and then there's this beautiful, beautiful growth. And that's all from God, right? $800 million worth of free, fresh produce exported from Israel each year, that before they came, it was just rocks. In 1948, when they took back Jerusalem, they didn't even have running water in Jerusalem. No power, no running water. And now it's just a jewel in the crown. Amazing. Nuclear and neutron bomb technology. This is spoken about throughout the scriptures, describing people's faces melting off and their eyes going in the back of the head, that, that's not nuclear, that's, new, that's a neutron bomb. This technology had to be around for, for some of these um, passages to become accurate. Global communications, there's many passages where they said everybody saw the thing at the same time. Even 30 years ago, people couldn't get these scriptures. I've talked to people who've been walking with God for a long time, and they've been studying this for a long time, and they said, it didn't make sense to me. How can everyone go and see the same thing at the same time? CNN, Whatever. Whatever the technology is going to be. Daniel 12 talks about the knowledge increasing. At the moment, our cumulative knowledge is doubling every five years. They say that's going to be exponentially grown with nanotechnology. It's going to be. So, today until the tribulation comes. Now, again, don't get the, the order of this, probably 60% of this can be changed to be whatever um so i'm just going to take you on a journey of it don't worry about the order of it because certainly the rapture and a lot of things that imminent we're just trying to do it in a way that you can understand it all if that makes sense so from now until the tribulation begins matthew talks about the gospel being preached to all of the world that's happening that hasn't happened but that's happening right Jerusalem will become a burden stone to all nations. That's happening now. If anybody's looking and watching um, the movement of, uh, of trying to get the Palestinian state a reality, I'll talk about that a bit later, all the stumbling block is Jerusalem. And Jerusalem's split into four. So there's a Jewish quarter, there's Christian, two Christian quarters, and there's a Muslim quarter. And uh, the Palestinians, as part of the peace process which is going to come, that that they want to get Palestine out of what we call the West Bank or Judea now, and part of that is to have East Jerusalem as their capital, and it's just never, ever, ever going to happen. And so the world is... And uh, I don't know if you are are watching... uh, Donald Trump is saying that he wants to take the US Embassy from um, Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, and that's just such a much bigger thing than people understand. And I believe he'll do it. So Jerusalem right now is the hottest potato in the world and it's going to be until until Jesus comes back. 2 Timothy, self-explanatory. People will become lovers of themselves. That's happening. The apostasy. That's interesting if you read that. The apostasy, what is it? a total desertion or departure of one's religions or principles. How many mainstream churches right now are departing from the Word of God, diluting it, adding it, taking stuff away? A lot. A lot. Some will fall, fall away by means of hypocrisy of lies that's happening They'll worship the creator and not the creator. That's happening. <laughs> I hope you like my pictures. It took a while to get them on. <laughs> Men will reject sound doctrine and seek teachers of their own desire. That's a scripture where they talk about itchy ears. People who have itchy ears to go and listen to the sermons they want to hear. That's happening. The wrath of the Lamb begins. Sit back, it's going to get a bit exciting now. The first horse. Does anybody know about the four horsemen of the apocalypse? Just Eric? Okay. I'm not going to go into great detail, but the white horse is, um, I mean, they are talked about for generations. The white horse, we certainly believe, is the Antichrist himself, um, or a pseudo-Christ, depending on what translation you want he 's definitely alive he 's definitely out there he 's not conquering, but he 's here, so the white horse is gone he 's out of the stables. The red horse is gone he 's joined him it 's really interesting it 's not just to bring wars I mean there 's wars forever, but the you know the Middle East is at war now, and it won 't cease until till the Lord comes back but it also it, uh, the word also says that he 'll take the peace away from men i don 't know about you guys, but five years ago people had more inner peace than they have right now, out on the street. And that's this bloke here. Psalm 83, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but you could. I mean, there's a sermon in this on its own. And it's a war. Every war that happens from this time on is against who? Against Israel. Every war. And some will say that, uh, many good theologians, and I, I, I don't agree or disagree, that this was the 1948 war, and it lines up and it makes sense. Um, I tend to believe this is gonna happen because when we get to Ezekiel 38, none of these guys are part of that war. And these guys, every single one of these guys wants to take Israel out. Um, So I believe this is gonna happen. Damascus will be lowered as a city and um, uninhabited for the rest of the days. That's happening. That's not happened. It's happening. Um, four, three to four weeks ago, Israel bombed Damascus. Does anybody know that? And do we know why? Because they had chemical weapons hidden in, in Damascus. There's so much happening in the Middle East right now that th- th- that didn't even make the news. They'd rather talk about genders of a toilet than, than this stuff. Ezekiel 38, and this is probably the most talked about um, passage of scripture right now through any theologian who's, who's following this and has been for some time. So the Gog-Magog war is against Israel. It's a confederate army of Iran, Ethiopia, Libya, Turkey, and led by Russia. Right now, just waiting for Libya to join the Syrian um, scuffle and then you have your Ezekiel 38 army I, I talked to people two and a half years ago about this I said you watch Turkey Turkey's going to enter Syrian war and they're like nah I said it's going to happen so these guys take it this, this is a wonderful passage God said God intervenes and takes these guys out they get a hammering and he said that everyone will know that I am God things start to get serious after this The black horse, he's in the stables, thankfully. He's gonna bring famine and economic disaster. And when I say economic disaster, it's not like anything we've ever seen. It's not the credit crunch that we had 12 years ago. This is a real deal. Fourth horse, also in the stables, thankfully. Over a quarter of the earth will be killed. By famine and pestilence, that normally fo- follows wars. If you ever do any study into Second World War, more people were killed by pestilence afterwards than were killed in the war, so stands to reason. Lawlessness will abound. We're on our way, but we're not quite there. The love of many will grow cold. Happening. Peace treaty. This is the start of everything. Once this is signed, this will will be between Israel and the Palestinians and they will get their Palestinian state. I'll show a couple of slides on that really quickly. The minute this is signed, there are so many things that you can point to. They will create the Palestinian state. Can everybody see that? This area here? It's actually called the West Bank. Palestinians will get full control of it. Man, the slide's a bit drunk. <laughs> the status of Jerusalem will stay as it is. It won't, it won't move, but it's going to be argued over till the end of time. 600,000 Jews right now live in the um, West Bank and they'll be invited to stay. I think they will stay. You know, you try moving 600,000 people easily And these are the people I believe Jesus talked about in Matthew 24 when he says, those in Judea first flee, go. I believe it's these guys. The fullness of the Gentiles come in. Very controversial uh, (laughs) bit of scripture, but apparently there's a number when it's up. The Father says, Jesus, go get them. Go get those. And that's us. Greatest vertical bungee jump in the world. (laughs) Happy, happy. We get our glorified bodies. Then the tribulation begins. Remember, this is the first three and a half years. There's a real time frame. The first three and a half years is actually pretty gentle. And then there's a time frame in the middle which we'll go through. And then there's the... uh, what I believe is the tribulation so the fifth seal the first four seals are the horses fifth seals the martyred Christians cry out to God 144,000 are sealed they're sealed with God's seal they can't be killed, can't be hurt man these guys are bulletproof, that's a pretty cool role and they're all apostle Paul's they're going to go and preach the word of God it's going to be an amazing time the great restrainer is removed. Do you know right now the only thing holding back everything that's on here is the Holy Spirit. He's holding back the four angels of the Euphrates. He's holding everything we're about to see. But the time comes when he's gone. He's like, man, he lets go. One world government is formed. It's in the process of now, but it's not there. Dope Francis, he a man. One world religion is set up. There is a false prophet. It's going to delude many. The ten kingdoms are established. And ten kings are crowned to rule the world. Three of the kings are dethroned. The Antichrist becomes the eighth horn. A lot of stuff happens before the Antichrist becomes the one world leader. A lot. The two witnesses begin their ministry. I believe just through the um, the miracles they perform and the gifts they have that it will be the, the spirits of M- Moses and Elijah, but you can debate that till you die. But these guys are there for three and a half years, can't be, they're also sealed by God, performing miracles and uh, preaching the word of God. Beam a seat, judgment. Now this is happy days for us. We're in heaven three, it's the end of the year function and we all sit there and high five and get medals and <laughs> This is our judgment seat, guys. Anyone who thinks you stand before the great white throne of judgment, you're either not saved or you've been taught wrong. It's not for us. This is for us. The Temple Mount will be shared, third temple will be rebuilt. They have every single instrument, including every priest's robes, every single thing, every candelara, every single thing, even the red bulls to slaughter. They just need a place. Then they'll start sacrificing animals again. We know that because um, they bring a halt to it later. You don't bring a halt to something you haven't started. Can you imagine the outcry? They start chopping heads off calves live on CNN. It it'll be madness. The Antichrist is assassinated. <laughs> and then he's brought back to life. And the false prophet's doing signs and wonders, deceives many, and starts to point them towards the Antichrist. Remember, this all happens within three and a half years. A lot of stuff's going to happen. Crazy quote. World protests about the animal slaughter... The world goes mad. Stop it now. So this is midway through the three and a half years. This is, there's a time frame here, I believe, is as significant as the time frame in Genesis when Adam and Eve sinned. When they sinned, everything changed forever. Before they sinned, there was no time. Now there's time. There was no death. Now there's death. Everything ch- the rules changed. And I believe after this timeline, it's it's so significant. So much happens on this one day. This is all on one day. So I've dedicated two slides just to this one day, and then we'll talk about the last three and a half years. So war in heaven three. Satan and his angels get defeated again by Michael, and they get thrown down to earth and cut off from earth. We know that he's not cut off from earth from Job. Okay, Satan's our representative up in the council up there, believe it or not. And then he gets cut off. And the the word says that woe to those on the earth on that day because Satan knows he only has a short time. So if we think he's playing rough now, man, after this day, gloves are off. Satan enters the Antichrist and has full control of him. Satan is not omnipresent. He can only be one place at one time. So I believe that he actually takes full control of the Antichrist. The Antichrist's behaviour changes for me. He, remember, he comes in peace with me. The people love him. They all vote for him. And then all of a sudden, on this day, everything changes. The tribulation begins, times of Jacob's trouble. This is, when it, um, yeah, this is when it gets testy for everyone. The man of lawlessness is revealed. It's a different character. They love him, then he goes, nah. Nah. The abomination of desolation is set up, so some kind of an image of the Antichrist is set up. People have to worship it. He puts a stop to the animal sacrifices and pleases the masses. And the contract that was signed for seven years is ripped up. Number of the beast, we all know about that. It's introduced and enforced. All on the same day, it's a big day. The two witnesses are killed by the Antichrist and people celebrate in the street and exchange gifts. The only celebration in the whole of this word is when they kill God's two witnesses. For three and a half days, they, they leave the bodies in the streets and they exchange gifts. Satan persecutes and wages wars on the Jews, on the Christians. And the worldwide persecution begins, starting in the Palestinian state that we talked about before. Sixth seal is opened. Suns blacken, stars fall from the sky, moon becomes blood like. Michael the Archangel shall stand for the children of Israel, all in one day. Then we head into the second half. The seventh seal, silence in heaven for half an hour. Not really sure why, but there is. The two witnesses three days later are resurrected and then raptured before the whole world. They've just celebrated for three days. They're all hung over and their gifts are broken and they're looking. And then these guys get up in front of the whole world. Amazing. Amazing. The Antichrist who came to power peaceably will grow by force. He just goes and takes countries and and then redistributes it the way he wants to. Time is shortened by God for the sake of the elect. First trumpet sounds, hail and fire and blood. A third of the grass and the trees are burned up. You can start to see from now on it's the It's the beginning of the end for the world as we know it. The kings of the south engage the Antichrist forces in battle and the kings of the north also, so it's not without pushback. Antichrist doesn't rule every single part of the world. Second trumpet. A third of the sea becomes blood and a third of the ships are destroyed. Third trumpet, a star falls to the earth and a third of the fresh water is bitter and undrinkable. Antichrist forces invade Israel. Once they invade Israel, they don't leave. They're there until Jesus comes back. The fourth trumpet, a third of light is gone from the sun moon and the stars become dark. The earth's hemorrhaging. Fifth trumpet, the first woe. The bottomless pit is opened. Locusts torment all without God's seal. They can't kill them, but they torment them. Antichrist forces invade and take over many countries. Sixth trumpet, the second woe. The Euphrates dries up, a demonic army of 200 million walks down there and out of their mouth comes plagues that kill a third of mankind Antichrist forces invade Egypt and take all the spoils from Egypt and Libya reports from the east and north alarm the Antichrist and he sets out in a rage to destroy many he's under attack many, this ain't a casual walk for him there's many who do not be taken Seventh trumpet or the third woe, lightning, thunder and earthquakes. The one-world religion persecutes the Jews and the Christians. It says that she gets drunk on their blood. The Antichrist then sits up between the Dead Sea and the Mediterranean, sits up home. A great multitude of Christians clothed in white robes who came out of the tribulation? That's up in heaven. And then the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is the happy days as well. We're up there getting married, eating popcorn, while this crazy's down here. Then comes the wrath of God. This is when things get real serious. First bowl: malignant sores on people who have the mark of the beast, malignant sores, this ain't a pimple. Second bowl, blood in the sea, everything in the sea dies. Third bowl, blood in rivers and springs, there's no drinking water. Fourth bowl, The sun scorches men. They flee to get out of the sun, and it says they actually curse God. All the men who've been scorched, they curse God. Fifth bowl, pains and sores for the Antichrist kingdom. Sixth bowl, the Euphrates dries up and makes a pathway for the Armageddon army. The battle of Armageddon preparations begin. All the kings of the world gather to go and make war with God. Is this madness or what? To make war with God. Wow. Seventh bowl lightning, thunder and a great earthquake. Huge hailstones. Hailstones the size of bowling balls. God stirs the heart of the Antichrist. He destroys the one world religion. Babylon has fallen. All the kings of the earth weep and lament. The nations gather against Jerusalem and the city will be captured. Two-thirds of the Jews will be killed. It's a sad slide. Two-thirds of them will be killed. The third that are left, God's going to put through And refine them. But they repent and plead for Messiah to return. Jesus says this scripture in Luke at the Triumphant Entry. Until you say, blessed to see He comes in the name of the Lord, I'm not coming back. And this is a wonderful day because they do. And one day the nation attuned to Christians. All of Israel have their spiritual blindness removed. They grieve bitterly for what they have done to Jesus. This is a wonderful day. The sun's darkened, stars fall from the sky, and the power from heaven is shaken. Jesus' second coming, so that's the tribulation. Then our Lord comes back. Hallelujah. Heaven is open. Jesus returns with his armies and hopefully us. He stands on the Mount of Olives. There's a huge earthquake that splits the Mount of Olives in two. He destroys the Armageddon army with his word. 200 million people with his word. The divine kingdom is established. Jesus reigns forever. Antichrist and false prophet are thrown into the lake of fire. Satan is chained for a thousand years, thrown into the pit. Thrones are established on the earth for judgment. The tribulation saints rise to reign with the Lord. The sheep and the goat judgment, all living flesh on the earth is judged. Everyone will worship the one and only true God, all peoples and all nations. We're now in the thousand-year reign. It's peace. Satan's gone. There's no temptation. Jesus is reigning with us. Amazing. Heaven on earth, the wolf will lay down with the lamb. The nursing child will play by the hole of the cobra. There'll be peace on earth for a thousand years, no more war. And then, at the end of all that, satan is freed from prison for a short time to test the will of men. so picture a thousand years peace on earth satan's released the reality is he shouldn't be able to get anybody to come and be with him but that's kind of not what happens he gets a huge army he gets nations to come with him to go to war with jesus nations Fire comes down from heaven, the Father says, nah, we're not even going to go to war, I'm going to sort it out. Takes out Satan's entire army, that's the second Gog-Magog war. Satan is thrown into the lake of fire to join the Antichrist and the false prophet. And then, and only then, is the great white throne of judgment. All non-believers are judged. Death and Hades are thrown into the lake of fire... God makes all things new, new heaven and new earth. New Jerusalem, out of heaven from God, having all the glory of God, her brilliance was like a very costly stone. We don't need a sun for our sunlight or for our warmth. It's his. It's his brilliance that we live under. And we live with the Lord for eternity. Amen. That's it. So I know it's a lot to take in. All right. So, um, but I love Billy Graham. He says I've re- I read the last page and it's all good. So, uh, so let's finish in prayer and go over coffee. And I'm happy to answer some questions or whatever you have. But, um, you know, we are going to delve in deeper into a lot of this stuff at some stage. Um, hey, mate. So. Let's finish in prayer. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that you tell us before times what's going to happen. We thank you that you've blessed most of the people in this church to even understand what this is. Um, Lord, I pray you'll bless the week of everyone in here. Go before us, Lord, keep your paths straight. Be everything to us. In Jesus' name.